pooping the seeds. <laughs> and when you poop the seed, when you poop the seeds, <laughs> the fruit, the, the plant can spread <laughs> to a new location because plants have roots and cannot move. <laughs> Science lessons. <laughs> Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Are you a good witch? Or a bad bitch, bad bitch, bad bitch? I've been a rebel all my life. We will not remain hidden figures. We have names. Oh, if it's naughty to rule your list, take your shoulders, take your hips, and let a lady confess I want to be bad. I didn't kid you, did I? Well, now you know. Plants evolved fruit mm. to, so they can disseminate. Because some uh, plants <gasps> have seeds that are carried by wind. Some plants have uh, fruit because fruit is edible to animals who are mobile. So the theory, not theory, they didn't do it on purpose. It's how evolution works. <laughs> is that an animal would eat the fruit, carry the seeds with them through their intestines, and then poop somewhere new with automatic fertilizer built in to sprout a new plant in a new location. Yo. That I isn't want... just ta that isn't taking over the same location that the mommy or daddy plant is. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh god, here we go with the Furby voices. I'm just I'm um focus grouping characters I gotta pull up for something. my reel you just do that while I do this my, thing my voice reel roll my roll the science teacher who sounds like a lady I can I can sound like a teenage boy because you know most most boy animated characters are voiced by full-grown women so do it <laughs> show us your skills no <laughs> no <laughs> no i had to do it in voice class i really was like this anime blonde california surfer character and i had to come up with a voice for him and it was fascinating i had to like write about do you remember it kinda mm -hmm. i remember his laugh he laughed a lot it helped me get into character because he kind of he's like <laughs> Like a boy. Hey, guys. Like that sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Your oh face. God. Did you oh like it? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so happy. Somebody pay me to do this, please. I would love God, to yeah. do a fucking animated voice. Oh, no. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I just see Hannah like trying to think of something to jump in with. Well, Her eyes are wide. She's like, I, I'm drawing I a was, blank. I was looking up articles and I missed the whole genesis of that. Uh, so. It makes me think about <laughs> fucking like uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Like they do those crazy voices. Rob. Arrest. Fucking do that when I'm not drinking. Hello. No. Why do you do this? My ass, you is. 
I've been good all day. Kind of left him. That's for my mom. She always, she tries oh to bait God. me into doing the meat wad voice. And I can tell every time. She like, so she'll just say like, arise chicken. And she'll just like look at me expectantly. And I, and I have to do it. But it makes her laugh every time. So why would I not? Why would you not? To just go, arise chicken. Chicken. Arise. This is Deanna's voice corner. Welcome. (laughs) Thank God the person I'm doing today is, is like, it's fun. It's light because. Hooray. Welcome to August. Hilarious. Oh yeah. August 1st. No more women who resisted. Unless we want to. Just because like we always do it. So we do what we want. So fuck off. Any dissenters. Um, We've got an open window right now, so if you hear any extraneous noise, we're trying it out because it feels gorgeous today. Yeah, it's nice outside. We're tired of sitting and melting in a hot box We don't want to bring Melty Brains for the entire summer. Melty Brains episode four or five even, that would just, it's not fun after a while. You know, barring any huge sounds. Yeah, yeah. This is welcome to... Open window edition of Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Welcome. Oh, lovely. Gas happens. Gas happens. And Deanna's doing voices today. Frickin' frackin' frock. Slash weird like noises. Like a siren, like now. Oh, here we go. Woo! Um, okay. Uh, okay. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to another, another, another installment of your favorite podcast. Why is it always the same song? I've asked this question before. But I think I, maybe I've, we just need to record it and just have it be our new theme song. It's like always that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate anyway, it. Anyway, I'm Deanna. Consistency. <laughs> and that's I'm Hannah. Hannah. And we talk to you weekly, on a weekly basis, about ladies doing stuff for themselves and for others. Just ladies doing stuff. (laughs) Ladies doing stuff. Sometimes it's cool. Sometimes it's badass. Sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes it's sweet. Sometimes it's mean. Sometimes it's, uh... Downright horrific. We haven't done any of those yet, but we will. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. That's my goal. (laughs) Might not be your goal, but it's my goal. Halloween is coming up. I'm excited. Oh my god! Yeah, we're gonna do some some crazy, crazy ladies. We're in a weird mood right now, guys. I I apologize. I think it's in the air. There's something. uh... Yeah, we just went on a walk and we just breathed it in. I don't know. We're on drugs now. Summer air. Yep. Nice summer breeze. Yep. Summer wind. Yep. Okay. Um, okay, so... What are we opening with today? Before before I jump into my lady, I got most... My lady. I got most of the article... I cribbed most of the article. Uh, most of... I'm going to say that all again. I cribbed most of the information that I'm using in for my lady today from Atlas Obscura. Uh, yeah. And as I was looking, I kind of like went down an Atlas Obscura rabbit hole. Okay. And I found this really interesting article about um, the very first ice cream saloons. Okay. <clears throat> and I had never heard that word. 
But the the headline was the ornate ice cream saloons that served unchaperoned women. Oh. And so at that point, I was like, okay, I have to click on that and see what that's all about. Um, so the sub, the subtitle is they welcomed women back when American restaurants prohibited dining without a man present. And I did not know that that was a thing, but that was a thing. So I'm just, I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's a little long, but I'll link to it. Um, but, um, it goes throughout the 19th century, restaurants catered to a predominantly male clientele. Um, much like taverns and gentlemen's clubs, they were places where men went to socialize, discuss business, and otherwise escape the responsibilities of work and home. It was, uh, mm-hmm, it was considered inappropriate for women to dine alone, and those who did were assumed to be prostitutes. Jesus. Given this association, unescorted women were banned from most high-end restaurants and generally did not patronize taverns, chop houses, and other, quote, masculine haunts. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. So it's like a stigma on sex workers and therefore all women. Yep. It's yeah. It's a no-no. Yes, exactly. As American cities continued to expand, it became increasingly inconvenient for women to return home for midday meals. The growing yeah. mm-hmm, the growing <laughs> demand for ladies' lunch spots inspired the creation of an entirely new restaurant, the Ice Cream Saloon. Cute. Uh-huh. At a time when respectable women were excluded from much of public life, these decadent en- uh, eateries allowed women to dine alone without putting their bodies or reputations at risk. The first ice cream saloons were humble cafes that served little little more than ice cream, pastries, and <clears throat> randomly oysters. All right. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know. To get them horny for when they get home. <laughs> yeah, or what? <laughs> Um, as women became more comfortable eating out, they expanded into opulent, full-service restaurants with yeah. sophisticated menus that rivaled those at most other elite establishments. Again, it's like the thing of women being patrons, women being able to fund businesses. It's like we were talking about last week with with uh, the movies and, and Colette and women buying yeah. books. It's like, oh, this is a this is a previously untapped market. Like women, <laughs> yeah. women will go to restaurants. What? what? I know. Amazing. They we had, can make money off them. They had fucking money to spend. Yeah, like yeah. this this <laughs> sample menu: um, it, it, oysters stewed, fried, and boiled. Sweet. And broiled. Gross. Uh, broiled chickens, omelets, sandwiches, boiled and poached eggs, broiled ham, beef steak, coffee, chocolate, toast, and butter, etc. Um, sounds about right. The 1862 menu of an ice cream saloon in New York ran a whopping 57 pages and featured mother-of-pearl detailing. That's expensive. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, Ice cream saloons uh, proliferated in urban shopping districts and were immensely popular with the growing number of wealthy women who spent their afternoons, afternoons shopping and promenading along the avenues. After a long day at the department store, the carriage trade headed to the ice cream saloon to, in the words of one commentator, exchange a dish of scandal or gossip as well as sweet meats. Mm. Which sweet meats? Give is... me that sweet meat. <laughs> Gross. Oh, that just gives me weird vibes. The heebie-jeebies, if you will. Um, Towards the end of the century, department stores started to open their own restaurants. 
But as the New York Times noted in 1866, for a long time, ice cream saloons were almost the only place where ladies could go unattended by gentlemen and satisfy their appetites, rendered sharp by their shopping excursions. Their appetites were rendered sharp. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah, there's, so this, uh, this article goes on. All that I'm, shopping has made me hungry. <laughs> women be shopping, am I Jesus right? Jesus Christ. It's like, come on. That is not why women went to fucking ice cream saloons or whatever I mean, you decide maybe to call them. They were, sh- if I go shopping, I get hungry. But, yeah. Oh, that cat is so cute. Also, I hear a seagull. So, of course, today chose to be the fucking day where we had all the activity outside. No, it's probably always happening, but. Oh, I don't know. That bird sounds like it's dying. Um, sounds like it's mourning the death of a loved one. Oh, poor birds. So poor yeah. birds. So I just thought that was a little interesting. Yeah, that was really cool. Like, I, it's, it's, I don't know. We were just talking about this with the um, woman who runs the, which one? The packet, little satchet. This? Yeah. The woman who um, works at the wine shop. Yeah. Down the street from me because we just got into conversation with her just about how this podcast has really opened our eyes to a lot of things that were true historically that we had never heard of and we didn't know. And it's just like little stuff like this where you know uh, sort of outside of yourself that stuff like this might be happening. But until yeah. you That women really couldn't think really about go it, places by themselves. Yeah. yeah. But you never think about it really until you see stuff that is extremely in context like this. And the fact that we had to do something as stupid as create ice cream saloons so that we could make it okay for women to go have a meal without their husbands present. Or fathers or brothers. Or fathers or brothers. Like, it couldn't just be a restaurant. It had to be an ice cream saloon. Well, because restaurants were for men. Exactly. It's so if you opened up a, so a restaurant that's like a big neon sign that says, men, please come here. Yep. And really, they needed a place where men weren't able to go at all. Because as soon as a man steps into a room full of unattended ladies, it, they their safety is very, in, you know, they, they're all, they're suddenly all <laughs> sex workers. Like, Jesus. ah. It makes Look at me, all these women alone. It makes me wonder They want to have sex with me? <sighs> Weird. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me wonder if, like, that's where the idea of, like, women have ice cream when they're pissed off or upset or, like, on their periods comes from. You know what I mean? Like, this idea where ice cream is sort of feminized because of... Which is insane because ice cream is so delicious. Ice cream is a universal treat. Okay. <laughs> But we have, like, we have feminized it. There's a lot of things that have been feminized unnecessarily. And I wonder if this might be playing a part in that. I don't know. That's not a a scientific thing, but it's just a little thing that I was thinking. Could be true. Maybe. I found another article on Atlas Obscura about how joining um, WAC, the Women's Auxiliary Corps, during World War II, caused all the women who joined it to gain a ton of weight because there had never really been any studies into what women needed nutritionally. And so they they were giving the women in the Women Auxiliary Corps the same meals, the same like 4,200 calorie um, a day meals that they were giving the men who were in 
like actually going to battle, actually going to war and like doing all of this strenuous strength right. training and stuff like that. <clears throat> and so they were feeding feeding their women, the women who were part of this corps, way, way too many calories every day. And they were doing things like answering phones. <laughs> They were they were not in they were not actually going to war, That's, but they were participating in the war by like, you know, being at the desks and being at the at the on the other sure, line of the right. phone. That's and, nuts. And yeah, and it's so fascinating because they so the, these women but they were all, just like, oh, we should just feed everybody the same thing. We should feed everyone the same thing, and and everyone was like, well, this isn't working. And they were like, what the fuck do we do? And they had to get nutritionists in there to tell them what they were doing wrong and how how what they were feeding the women was not appropriate because the women were not doing the same work as the men were. That's crazy. Anyway. I'm going to just... Delve right into the lady of the week? I'm going to dive into the lady of the week. She's not the lady of the hour. She's not the lady of the day. She is lady of the week. Lady of the week. And it's August 1st, so we are... August has no specific heritage month attached to it, so I'm just going to do what I do. You know? Lay it on me, biatch. All right. So, um... I took uh, I took my information from a few different places. Atlas Obscura was one. Um a website called Suffragitsu, which I was like, that's not a real thing, but a bunch of the legit articles that I read linked to it. Oh. So fine. I used it. Whatever. Um, Forgottennewsmakers.com. And that might be it. Oh, and thehumanmarvels.com. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. Mm -hmm. What are you bringing to me today? I'm bringing to you somebody who is, when I found her, I was like, holy shit, I cannot believe I have never heard of this person. Um, her name, she is known by a few different names. Oh. Um, we might know her most, uh, most as the great Sandwina. Yes. That sounds Maybe. familiar. Um, otherwise, the Lady Hercules. Oh! Uh, Woman of Steel. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Uh, and her birth name is Katie Brumbach. But, yes, she, for most of her professional life, she goes by, like, all of these very... The Lady Hercules? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I've seen pictures of her. And we should... There are so many amazing pictures of her. We should, like, take a and look at some in a little bit but so i'll just um dive right on in i'll there. just dive right on in broombach i don't know shit about her life i've just seen pictures yeah she's well doesn't she have a tiny husband anyway sorry continue yeah we'll go into some of that yeah 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 yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm getting impatient chomping at the bit tell me about all the things um, at once, please. <laughs> at once, right now. So she was the second oldest of 15 children. Mm. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> 15 children. When was she born? Um, born in the back of a circus wagon in Vienna, Austria in 1884. All right. 1884. Okay. 1884. Born, 1884. So sorry. Second oldest of 15 children. That, um, so she was basically a mom mm -hmm. to her younger siblings. Yeah. Um, of Bavarian stock, Felipe, who was six feet, six inches tall and weighed 260 pounds with a 56-inch chest, 
and his wife, Johanna, whose biceps measured 15 inches, what? amazed European audiences with their feats of strength. Uh, three of their daughters. Six foot six? Yeah, six foot six. Yeah. Three of their daughters inherited the strength and talent of their parents and joined the act very young. So when she was two, uh, Katie Brimbach reportedly did handstands on her father's hands. What? She was trained in gymnastics and then added weightlifting to her uh, regimen when she hit adolescence. She wasn't the strongest of her siblings, but her strength combined with her perfect proportions, as you know, we've been talking about for a couple episodes now, apparently, and her natural beauty made her the main attraction. Um, Sweet. Yeah. In addition to performing astonishing feats of strength, Brumbach was an accomplished wrestler, and her early acts with the family circus included a segment where her father, the six-foot-six strongman, Felipe Brumbach, uh, offered a prize of 100 gold marks to any man who could beat her in the ring. Oh, my God! She was never defeated. But when she was 16, an aspiring acrobat named Max Heyman thought, or Heyman, whatever. Heyman. Heyman uh, thought that trouncing a woman on stage might be a good way to garner publicity for his career while also making some quick cash. Uh-huh. How'd that work out? <laughs> she soundly defeated him. Um, the, this, <laughs> the line is, uh, Brumbach soundly defeated the petite Heyman. Uh, but as he looked up from his vantage point from the ground on which she had thrown him, he fell in love. Oh, boy. The two were married for 52 years. Shut the fuck up. 52 years. Wait, how old was she when they met? Uh, 16. How old was he? I don't know. It doesn't say. Cool. Um, <laughs> you're going to love this. She quickly incorporated her five foot six inch husband into her act, <laughs> hoisting him over her head yes. with one hand yes. and performing a routine where she, quote, played the role of a soldier going through a rifle drill and manipulating him as if he were a <laughs> rifle. Oh, my God. How tall is she? Um, she took after her dad. I think she was somewhere around like 6'2 or something like that. What the fuck? And her husband was 5'6? Yeah. Oh, no. She stood 5 feet 9 and 3 quarter inches tall. That's still... and she, But she was like built. She was fucking built. And I'll get into her dimensions. Um, Gorgeous. In a little bit. Yeah. Is, is Ben showing you pictures? Yes. Yeah. She's incredible. I love her in her costume. What? Can you imagine lifting <sighs> so up? So good. I mean, lifting up even a child with no! one hand, like a six-year-old, one-handed. Absolutely oh. not. By, uh, by 1911, the couple were touring vaudeville and circus circuits. Circus circuits. Circus circuits throughout the United States and Europe with um, Katie performing numerous impressive feats of strength, including bending iron bars, Jesus. Breaking chains and supporting enormous weights on her shoulders. She became particularly famous in America where she was seen as an exemplar of several popular cultural trends, including eugenics. Great. Fun. <clears throat> yeah. I didn't uh, look at that closely enough, apparently. Well, it was popular. <laughs> but it's part then. of it. Um Oh, where she was seen as an exemplar of several popular cultural trends, including eugenics, phys physical culture, and women's suffrage. 
Interesting. Uh huh. Um, she, Eugenics and women's suffrage. Well, they kind of go hand in hand at the time. Totally. Because women's suffrage was notoriously racist. Yep. But um, Brumbach entered her, uh, embraced her strength while maintaining her personal sense of femininity and saw no contradic- contradiction, good God, between her love of painting her nails and her ability to deflect the sledgehammer blows to the chest. <laughs> Sledgehammer blows to the chest? Apparently. O-M-G. <laughs> um, uh, no thank you. Yeah, she was just, you know, that was her job, was to be strong. And that's, I mean, calling her the woman of steel feels sort of appropriate. appropriate. Um, Superman so, stole her name. Yeah. Unlike other strong women of her era, she was never described in masculine terms, and the press paid as much attention to her hourglass figure as her prowess at casually bending horseshoes. Yeah, because she wore corsets and shit. Mm-hmm. They paid, she paid a lot of attention to that herself, so it makes sense that they would. Um, a 1911 article in the New York American tells how the, quote, Beauty of her features is positively startling. With her curled upper lip and her classic chin, she has the look of some heroic... Heroic. <laughs> I wanted to say heroin and realize there was a C at the end of She's that. She's a strong woman. She's a str- um, strong, strong woman. <laughs> she has the look of some heroic work in marble. Her throat is a column. Okay. But, uh, yeah, okay. Most necks are. Yeah. <laughs> Her shoulders and back might have been hewn by Michelangelo. Ooh. Mm. Sexual. Okay. Sexual. So, when Brumbach was signed to the Barnum and Bailey Circus in 1911, she was the star of a Meet the Press event at Madison Square Garden, in which 10 physicians from all over the country were shipped in to publicly examine her physique. That weird? Mm-hmm. I can't... Yes, because I guess being a strong woman, she was so out of the ordinary that they were like, what the fuck is going on here? What, were they checking to make sure she's a woman or what? <laughs> well, I don't know the answer to that question, but possibly. So, um, after declaring her stats, so she, uh, quote, stood five feet, nine and three quarters inches tall... Weighed 210 pounds, had a 44-inch chest um, when expanded, a 29-inch waist. Whoa. A 29-inch waist, which is insane. Which is tiny when you have a 44-inch chest. Yes, when you are that much, when that's like all muscle, 43-inch hips, a 16-inch calf, and her flexed right biceps measured 14 inches. Sweet. Uh, the examining physicians concluded that, quote, in every way, according to her measurements, she is a perfect woman by all the accepted standards. <laughs> Which kind of makes me think that, yeah, maybe they were there to, like, make sure she wasn't a dude or, like, uh, something. I don't know. I don't know why they were there. I don't know really what the purpose was. Just for a, a, sh- a sideshow, I guess. But, yeah, it kind of feels... Brumbach defied gender uh, conventions of her era in other ways by speaking <coughs> candidly about her sexual appetites. And in, an, mm-hmm, in an interview in the German newspaper, so I copied and pasted this because I thought it was interesting, but it clearly happened before she was married. Okay. So just to that. 
Um, but in an interview in the German newspaper, Woven Mann spricht, before she married her husband, she spoke openly about her enjoyment of men. Uh, the question that the interviewer posed is a very discreet, dis, discreet, <laughs> discreet, <laughs> discreet, a very discreet question, my dear. You <laughs> stop giggling. A very discreet question, my dear madam. Are you married? She said, no, I'm not married. I'm single. Uh, but nobody dares to end this situation. Uh he said, are you interested in men anyway? She said, what shall I say? Men are like air to me. You can't live without them. Every now and then, I breathe good, fresh air, you know. Ooh. Uh-huh. That's a good metaphor. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, she became a mother. <clears throat> me too, bitch. Me too. <laughs> you became a mother? Oh, you breathed. I breathe fresh air. <laughs> you breathe fresh air. Yes, yes. Um... You gotta, you breathe too much. <laughs> what, become a mother? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Not yet. Thank God we live in the era of birth control. BC. Or air filters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, touche. Oh, my God. Mm. Oh, that's fucking good. <laughs> All right. Shit. All right. Um, so later, Brumbach became a mother and, of course, performed up until the night before her son was born. Are you kidding? Nope. What? She seamlessly fused her identities as a strong woman and a matriarch by introducing her sons, Theodore, who was born in 1909 and would go on to become a successful heavyweight boxer. Nice. And Alfred, um, an actor who was born in 1918, into her act. In a promotional stunt, and after boasting of her strength, Kate made Katie made an open challenge, daring anyone to lift more weight than she. To her surprise, anyone, anyone all right. To her surprise, and to the surprise of those assembled, none other than the father of powerlifting and bodybuilding, Eugene Sandow, took Katie up on her challenge. Sandow was a man carved of granite. Literally, <laughs> probably. Indeed, he had a sculpted body to resemble the statues of the old gods that he saw as a child. He was considered the most physically gifted man in the world. All right. And she was certain that she had made a grave error in judgment. Still, uh -oh. mm -hmm, still, the contest began as Katie began lifting increasingly heavy weights, and Sandow subsequently lifted those she was done with. This went on for some time until Katie hoisted the unholy sum of 300 pounds above her head with one hand. Whoa! I wonder if she could lift her husband easily. Yeah, because he was, he weighed way he less than that. probably was like that. 140 pounds. Yeah. Max. Um, sh uh, Sandow <laughs> could only raise the weight to his chest. And Katie was declared the winter. Winter. Katie was declared the winner. Whoa. Um, yeah, and and he was considered the most powerful man in the world at the time. So, but he was not the most powerful person at the time. Exactly. Um, you know what that's a testament to, to me, is female endurance. Mm -hmm. Because she just kept lifting heavier and heavier things. Yep. And, like, maybe if she had started with the 300-pound thing, he would have been able to lift it, but he was probably getting tired. Yep. Yep. Yeah, she wore him down, and then, yeah, and then bested him. 
Um, nice. So it was shortly thereafter that Kate adopted the name Sandwina, a, in her opinion, I think, a feminine derivative of Sandow. Although it was unclear weird. if this was a tribute or a taunt. But it had to do with winning that contest, and she was doing it either as a way to say, hey, you're cool, or haha, I beat you. I bested you. Yeah. One say or the other. I bested you. Nice. So uh, as her career progressed, um, Sandwina now introduced increasing levels of theatricality to her act. Oh, it wasn't theatrical before? Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, my gosh. A... <laughs> 1927 article from the Exeter and Plymouth Gazette described how she, quote, thinks nothing of snapping with her fingers an iron chain of which each link is guaranteed to stand a 4,000 pound strain and to bend formidable iron bars into fantastic shapes. Um, More striking achievements comprise the balancing on her chest of a revolving merry-go-round with half a dozen adults. What? Throwing from her body half a ton of stone, which has been uh, which had been placed on it with great difficulty by eight men. What? <laughs> I I'll say that again. Throwing from her body half a ton of stone, half a ton. That's a thousand pounds. That's yeah, a ton is a thousand pounds. No, a, th- a ton is two thousand pounds. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. So it's a thousand fuck. So all right, so half a ton of stone, which had been placed on it with great difficulty by eight men. So eight men put put a thousand pounds of stone on her and she threw it off of her That's body. That's how the Salem witch trials ended. They crushed people with stone. Ooh, well, she was clearly not a witch. <laughs> or she was. Hmm, who knows? Uh, while she, she is, uh, for the purposes of this podcast. <laughs> for this podcast. Uh, while she concludes the turn by serving as the foundation of a bridge over which pass in double file a number of people. What? Followed by a full-grown cart horse. No thank. What? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it says while she concludes, you know, her act, um, the the turn, by serving as the foundation of a bridge, ah. over which pass, in double file, a number of people followed by a full-grown cart horse. No thanks. <laughs> no so, thank you. yeah, so she was, like, getting bigger and bigger and bigger and doing bigger stunts as yeah. her career went on. Yeah. Um, so her championship of female strength was not confined to her own life circumstances, uh, and she was an outspoken proponent of the women's right to vote. In 1912, nice. she became the vice president of the 800-member suffragette ladies of the Barnum and Bailey Circus, um, huh. and was sometimes referred to as Sandwina the Suffragette. Um, according to a 1910 Barney... Barnum and Bailey promotional article titled Happy Family Ruled by Giantess Makes Anti-Suffragists Tremble. Yeah, literally. Uh Uh-huh. Quote, (laughs) the anti-suffragists who go to the Barnum and Bailey Circus at Madison Square Garden and see Sandwina, the German strongwoman, lift her husband and two-year-old son with one arm, tremble for the future of the anti-cause. When all women, when all women are able to rule their homes by such simple and primitive mu- methods, they will get the vote or take it. Wait, that was an article that was. That's about weird, her. though, because like feats of strength are traditionally seen as masculine, mm-hmm. and they're calling them simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, because when women do it, it's not. It's like mm-hmm. not smart. It's not right. It's not delicate. It's not. 
It's like caveman shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um... Uh, Sandwina continued to perform with the Barnum and Bailey with Barnum and Bailey for decades and was nearly 60 when she finally retired. Wow. Yeah. She lived seven more years, dying of cancer in 1952. Holy hell. Yeah. Um, in later years, so speaking of field trips, um, Brumbach and Heyman, her husband, opened a cafe in Ridgewood, New York. Oh, Ridgewood is like, like Brooklyn. Yeah. It's like not, it's just a couple miles from here. Brumbach was free to serve as the amiable host, but upon request, she would happily bend iron bars and break heavy chains to entertain cafe patrons. Is it it's still there? I don't actually know. We'll have to look it up and see if we can find it. Um, or, it's probably something it's else, now, I assume, yeah. but yeah. Awesome. So after so many years in the spotlight, Sandwina was content to settle into a quieter second act. But from time to time, her strong woman, pa- strong woman past would resurface with aplomb. One afternoon, quote, uh, recounted a 1947 article from the New York Mirror. Um, a bruiser walked in and after berating everyone in sight, started for Papa. Papa was her husband, Heyman. Um, she floored the bruiser with one punch for the whole count (laughs) and gave him a thorough lesson as she tossed him out. Boy, bye. That is the great Sandwina slash Lady Hercules slash Woman of Steel. Thank you. She's fucking cool. Dude, she was just like unapologetic. She didn't, especially for her time. Like, showing that a woman can be both physically strong and feminine at the same time. Yeah. Not that that's necessarily, I don't mean that in a pejorative, good or bad way. Mm-hmm. It's just, it was unusual for the time. Yeah. And it's even unusual now. It's even unusual now. I mean, we think about how... And more power to women who don't give a shit about being feminine and being strong anyway. But, like... I think it's really cool that because generally the things are seen as mutually exclusive and they're just not. Right. That's why so many of our quote unquote strong female characters end up just being modeled after men. Yeah. And they don't they don't tend to have any femininity that is not like shun femininity. Yeah. They shun traditional femininity Mm -hmm. and they're sexy, of course. Yeah. Always. Right. But not because they love to be feminine, which is one of the reasons why I always loved Buffy as a character, because she was somebody who liked to, you know, paint her nails like Sandwina, and then she'd yeah. go out and slay vampires. Hannah, what uh, happened on August 1st? So many things. I put a lot of things on here, actually, that I will probably just August. End the end of summer. So one of the things that's really interesting about looking up the On This Day in History is there are a couple websites that, like, you know, do this. They yeah. have they have um, listings for things that happen on this day. But most of them, they neglect women from yeah. history. Oh, absolutely. Which is, I think, part of why we haven't had a ton of stuff about women from On This Day. Um, but also, they tend to spin things a little bit more the way our history books tend to do. Yeah. So, for instance, on this day, August 1st, 1498, Christopher Columbus landed in douchebag. Venezuela. And, <laughs> douchebag, yes. Um, the, the website that I was looking at labeled it as a discovery. 
Like he discovered Venezuela today? No. Uh, Christopher Columbus did not discover anything. And we need to be clear about that, I think, in the future, in future fucking history books. Who knows how, what they look like right now. But anyway, I just thought that was (coughs) fascinating. Uh, 1774, oxygen was isolated from air as in discovered, successfully by chemist Carl Wilhelm and scientist Joseph Priestley. Cool. So we discovered what oxygen was. Because obviously oxygen is in the air, but mm-hmm. it's not the only gas floating around. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, let's see. Oh, 1785, Caroline, or Caroline, whichever one, uh, Herschel becomes the first woman to discover a comet. Discover? Discover a comet. Cool. And she discovered several across her life. In fact, I want to do her at some point because she was um, an astronomer who discovered a lot of different things and had a lot of contributions to astronomy, I learned. Yeah. Um, 1876, this is pertinent because you and I are from here, Colorado becomes the 38th state of the Union. Hell yeah! So that is. 1876? 1876. All right, August 1st, 1876. Damn straight, 38th state of the Union. Aw. Yeah. So cute. I know. We're a pretty young state. I know. (laughs) That's a full hundred years after America became a nation. I know. Uh, 1936, Adolf Hitler presided over the Olympic Games as they opened in Berlin. Cool. Cool. I mean, you know, Putin presided over the World Cup this year. Follow that with 1944, Anne Frank's last diary entry was... August 1st. ...written today. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Just a couple more. Um, 1960, Aretha Franklin's very first recording session was today. I love her. Yeah. So much. Um, I thought this was pertinent to us as nerds. 1970, and I didn't know it had been going this long. 1970 was, um, today opened the second Comic-Con in San Diego. Whoa! Right? 1970? 1970. Seven zero. Holy The very, the second Comic-Con. Yeah! They're coming up on 50 years. Isn't that insane? Comic-Con, 1970. It must have been so tiny back then. It had to have been. It was. It opened at the U.S. Grant Hotel. Oh, was that? A, yeah. It was it, at a little it, hotel. I mean, w- did we even really have, in the sense that we have them today, convention centers back then? I don't know. I think Probably that people not. would hold things at hotels and like ballrooms and things, but they didn't quite have like a, a whole network of buildings created solely for the purpose of massive amounts of people congregating. Yeah. Convening, if you will. It's crazy to think about, right? Wow. Um, <laughs> maybe I should just end it there because the last one I have here is not great. Well, now you, okay, s- you started sorry. it. Okay, well, 1988, Rush Limbaugh begins his national radio show. Ew, Rush Limbaugh's as old as we are? <laughs> Way older. I mean, Nin- his, no, his show. Oh, yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? Yes, 1988, August 1st, Rush Limbaugh starts his fucking... Fear-mongering, drug-addled propaganda it'd be, machine. It'd be really cool if that show just died. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, be good. Okay, um, that's it. That's all that's on my list. Sweet. Yeah. What are you excited about? 
Well, again, by the time this episode airs, it's going to be a little bit dated. You and your fucking disclaimers. Harkening back to Comic-Con, because Comic-Con at, is happening at the time of recording yeah. in San Diego. Yes, it is. There was a new trailer that dropped for the new season of Doctor Who. Which oh, really? Made, yes. <gasps> Motherfucker, I need to go watch it. Yeah, we'll watch it right after this. Shit. And it looks really cool. And I'm just so stoked for Jodie Whittaker to... Because I have not been convinced about her. To take it on. But I will be very curious to I see. Liked, I liked this. Okay. It looks good. It looks good. And so, and I mean, it. that's a pretty short one, but I'm very excited about the new season of Doctor Who, which it makes me... I'm like seasons behind and i fucking love peter capaldi me too but i just kind of was like Merp. i like reached a point where i was like Meh. so i'm way behind yeah okay i get you but i'm really excited it's it's reinvigorating my excitement it makes me want to get caught up have you watched any of him with clara uh-huh okay you've watched the first season of him with clara yes but not the second correct because the second or maybe is, half of the season the first season i don't even remember anymore it's been a while i really liked his second season with clara and i was really bummed it's jenna louise coleman yeah, yeah yeah i was really bummed that she, she that was when she jenna left coleman now. oh yeah anyway. for the for victoria she left to do young victoria yeah she left to go do young victoria and so then they introduced a new um companion who is wonderful i really love her but Moffat, Stephen Moffat, is just the worst. Like the he's, he's a, the British Joss Whedon. He's the British Joss Whedon. No, I mean it's even worse than that because he recycles his shit and he just does it. But yeah, I mean he's like Joss Whedon mixed with fucking Zack Snyder or some shit. Ugh. It's like awful. He just is. He's it's bad. So I'm very excited to see what the new showrunner and the new Doctor and the new companion. Are like. So. There you go. Yeah. Me too. No, I'm excited. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> Cat looks so cute. It's nap time, everybody. Fuck. All right. Well, let's go take a nap. All right. Um, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends how much you love us. Give me all your loving. That all one. your hugs and kisses, too. Yeah. That was way off key, but it, you get it. The idea is there. The, the notion, the, the thought behind it is pure. Yeah, it's pure. Pure as our love for you. Dear listener. Dear listener. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, that was, yeah. That could have been better. It's fine. We'll go with it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. We'll We talk appreciate to you. your support. This is the one of the most... Nope, this is like the most fun thing in my life right now. Dude, yeah. So, oh my God. Having, I could have another podcast about how this is like the most fun thing in my life right now. Exactly. Okay. Well. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Peace out, witches. Bye-bye. It's still going. Thank you for listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Thank you for listening. <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry, and more. Basically anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Mm -hmm. If you like our podcast, it would be really helpful if you could please like and subscribe, rate and review, share with your friends on social media, word of mouth, mm -hmm. all of that. It's great. Yes. And you can find us on Twitter at GWBB Podcast. Instagram is the same. And we are on Facebook under Good Witches, Bad Bitches Podcast. And hey, guess what? If you want to hear all of our episodes, they are all up at our website, GWBBpodcast.com. 
If you have a story about a woman in your life that you want to share with us and that you want us to share on our podcast at some point, you can email us at gwbbpodcast at gmail.com. Hey guys, you know what? If you like what you hear, maybe please consider a little bit of supporting us financially by visiting our tip jar. Um, The link is in the show notes. Every little bit helps. It just kind of makes it so that we can keep this going so that it has some longevity. So just think about it. See see how you feel about it. Or you can support this podcast directly by buying us a coffee on our Ko-Fi. <laughs> so that is ko-fi.com slash GWBB podcast. Um, coffees start at $3 because that's generally the price of a fancy coffee and it just helps us keep the ship going. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is produced by Moonbounce and powered by Pine. Boom, boom, boom. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening.